As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Craftsman Online Podcast. This is a weekly program focused on the relevant topics in Freemasonry and the various aspects of the craft. Any opinions, thoughts, or viewpoints shared during this program are that of the individual and do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant, or concordant body from which that member may hail. I'm your host, Brother Michael Arce, Editor-in-Chief of CraftsmanOnline.com, and we have him back, Brother John Nagy, our returning Unofficial co-host of the Craftsman Online Podcast. Welcome back, Brother John. It's great to be back, Michael. Thanks again for having me. Well, this is one of those episodes where we have the disclaimer up front that we read, but I also had a concern because I'm like, I don't know how much we can actually talk about the topic of self-practicing Masons, but Brother John is here to help us as we seek the answer to the eternal question, can you be a Freemason by yourself? And I find this to be an interesting topic because... The idea of a self-practicing Freemason, I, I want to believe that this comes from studying Masonic works, reading Masonic books, and how this became extremely popular during the public health emergency or the pandemic, the shutdown, whatever you might want to call it. We had a lot of lodges that saw members dip during this time. Brothers chose to stay home or seek Freemasonry on the internet. So I'll just start with this big question. When you hear the term self-practicing Mason, what comes to your mind? What comes to my mind is the reality of the craft. Uh, there's so many facets of Freemasonry and the subcategory of Masonry in itself that if you are to actually practice the tenets and all the principles and what is espoused by ritual, uh, you're doing it on your own anyway. As the old statement, I can show you the path, I can walk it with you, but I can't take the steps for you. And the same thing has to do with Freemasonry. You have to define the terms. If you're talking about Freemasonry as a craft, well, then you have to define craft. Is craft the actual practicing of the principles of what the ritual espouses, or is it the members who practice the principles of what ritual espouses. I can tell you there's a lot of members who don't practice the principle of what ritual espouses. They are dyed-in-the-wool members, and what they do is they come in and they practice the craft of theater. And we've talked about this before. They, they come in and they learn a script because that's what the previous generation learned. And why are they learning the script? Well, basically, so they can teach that script to the next generation coming through, and so on and so forth ad nauseum. However, there 
is another aspect of the craft that takes the ritual and actually applies the principles. They actually do the divestmenture of vices and superfluities and moral uh, searching and making sure that they set their plum and make sure that they take that common gavel and create the square virtue through their divestiture and vestiture and all that other stuff. So, you know, is that the craft? So when somebody says, I'm a self-practicing Mason, immediately what comes to my mind is somebody who was either wanting to join and hasn't joined and probably will never join uh, or somebody who tried to join and will never be allowed in. So therefore, I'll teach them. And what I'll do is I'll get a hold of all those wonderful exposés, Duncan's rituals and whatever, and I'll just practice on my own. God bless them. You know, if they go and read through the ritual and actually decode what ritual is pointing to the work, they will probably do very good for themselves because they're probably doing a lot more than most members do. Self-practicing Mason as opposed to a self-practicing Freemason, you know how I define those terms. If you are going to define Freemasonry as the fraternity as a whole, let's take a look at that. If you want to be practicing as a Freemason, well, you obviously have to have others involved because the whole nature of Freemasonry is unity with brothers. So how can you be a self-practicing Freemason, if it's just you, yourself, and I. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, you, you know, the, me, myself, and I, you know, turned around to a, address a person. Right. The Lodge of One. <laughs> well, the, the tr Holy Trinity of One. <laughs> if you wanted to practice Freemasonry with others through a legitimate organization, well, that's how you do it. You could even do it through a clandestine group. You could even do it through a, a mock-up of a bunch of people who basically like theater and like the ritual, and they decide to perform it on their own. But are they practicing Freemason? Well, not as a regular lodge would define one. And then we get into the term of masonry, you know, a self-practicing mason. And as I have stated before, you do the work on your own. Now, you can work with a mentor but you're doing the work. The mentor is showing you what needs to be done. They're not doing the work for you. I'm a self-practicing Freemason. If we define the term as the organization, you can't be a solo in this. Now, if you're talking about the masonry within Freemasonry, as I define the actual work that makes good men better, that's all a solo job anyway. For me, when I hear the term self-practicing Mason, and, and here was you know a real-life example. So our podcast... I figured there was something behind <laughs> it. Please expand on that. Let us, let us know what brought this wonderful topic to fruition so we can discuss it here tonight. <laughs> I've heard this term used loosely, I would say, within the last two years. And some of it is because of... COVID and the shutdown, and, and we'll address that part. But most recently, uh, so our podcast is part of, it's a product from craftsmenonline.com, which is our website. And we get you know, emails from interested gentlemen or just Masons and folks from all around the world. And a gentleman reached out from Texas and identified himself as a self-practicing Mason in his email in the first sentence and asked a couple questions. So my first thought was self-practicing Mason. What does that mean? And I went on to discover that 
kind of as you had outlined, he had gotten most likely a copy of Duncan's Ritual or has his own library collection or has been watching YouTube videos or any of the documentaries about Freemasonry and has felt that he, because he, through his own research, has become a Freemason and was asking for Masonic advice, which I could not give him because of the obligation that I've taken, which basically is the first step in defining a self-practicing Freemason is that Masonry, a majority of it is built on one, our obligation, which extends to us being legitimate Freemasons and being recognized by other Grand Lodges and then the lodges that now associate with that Grand Lodge. So I can't have a conversation with someone who is not recognized by my Grand Lodge of either New York or the District of Columbia. Outside of that, I can have a conversation with any brother who actually is a legitimate or in amity or recognized with that lodge. So for this individual, that is what came up. Now, I don't think, and I know that you can't go pick up a copy of our ritual, study it, think you know the secrets, think you're a Freemason and tell everybody you are. There's only one way you can become a Freemason and that is by going through the obligation and, and, taking your part in our play, so to speak. The other instance would be men who would be removed from being able to attend a lodge and would have to then study Freemasonry independently. And we had a recent example of that, and many of us had to stay home because we weren't able to go a lodge. But if you know a soldier or uh, an astronaut or anybody who would be separated from being able to physically access his brothers or his lodge, then I would consider that individual to be self-practicing. The last part is what you also got to, which I agree as well, is that I think at some point all of us because of the nature of Freemasonry, we start asking questions and the folks that have the answers to that question, the number of them just gets thinner, 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 thinner. And, and at some point, you go down a rabbit hole that very few others that you would even know have gone down that and you're trying to seek these answers. And unfortunately, sometimes you emerge by yourself with the, what you think is a theory or you're able to fall into a group of others who also get into that. So in that instance, if I came across a brother that said, oh, hey, I'm pursuing my interest in the working tools. I've been self-educating myself on, on these topics. Okay, cool. What do you know when we could have that conversation? So I think there's different layers of it. But when I first hear the term self-practicing, you know, I get that funny feeling in my tail that's like, eh. I, I have individuals all the time contacting me. And, you know, I, I admire their integrity because one of the first things they say up front is I'm not a member, um, but I have questions. And the first thing out of my typing, because a lot of this is through chat, well, understand the only things that I can discuss with you are the non-secret stuff. And they say, that's, that's fine. Uh, mm. And they'll ask me nuances about ritual. Obviously, they've gotten a hold of some expose somewhere. And within the limits of my obligation, I have no problem responding uh, to these queries when they are a matter of, matter of historical record or through my own conjecture slash speculation research. I will not discuss my ritual as in my ritual in the Grand Lodge sense. My Grand Lodge's ritual is verbatim, verboten, or forbidden from discussion with non-members. However, if I'm talking about ritual in general, then it's all fair game as long as I maintain my obligation. Uh, 
a lot of them simply say, I love the philosophy. I love what's pointed out. I love the ritual. I just don't want to become a member, Mm. but I want to practice the Masonic way. I can totally relate and understand that the Masonic way is very, very close to a lot of other ways. And there's very subtle differences in the terminology, but ultimately the paths that are followed by a lot of different ways are almost identical with very little variance. In fact, it was actually documented very well in Plato's Republic. You tame your dogs, which is basically the hard aspect, your personal discipline having to do with your emotions and all the things that have to do with your physical body, you tame your dogs. It's that simple. After you've tamed the the physical aspect, then you start getting into the um, more mental or intellectual aspects and you train your mind and bring the chaos of your mind into order. So the first step in a lot of these disciplines and anyone that is legitimate tames and brings order to the chaos of the heart first. You have to be able to rule over your heart. You can't have your heart ruling over you. And then the second step is, all right, get your act together mentally. Now that you got your, your emotions and your heart in place, you want to make sure that your thinking is proper, you can do critical thinking, you can do logical thinking, and you can do figurative thinking. Gee, does that sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're basically talking about the trivium. Trivium and quadrivium have been around long before the Freemasons came out of their closet. And they'll be around a long time after they may or may not pass away. So if you take a look at a lot of the ways, they're all very similar. There's a lot of overlap and very little variance too. So if you're talking about individuals who are self-practicing masons, as I define masons, as in working on themselves, building their foundation, building their temple, and eventually their spiritual building. The the way is there, and it doesn't make a difference whether you're calling it masonry or something else. If you're practicing it, you, you do it solo anyway. There's nobody who can do it for you. So when I I hear self-practicing Mason, I kind of giggle because, all right, are we talking about a member of of the Freemason Society who recognizes he's got to do the work and kudos to him? Uh, Or are we talking about somebody who's outside the fraternity or was even a member of the fraternity and it continues to practice what is espoused by ritual? Notice I say by ritual and not by the craft. That and also the other things that can push a member to an extreme point to where they're like, I I just can't even come to lodge anymore. I can't be in this room. I I can't be around this person. I, I, I just don't have the time for that. And they get pushed and they're like, it would, and I'm sure you've heard brothers say, I'll just stay at home and I'll be a self-practicing Mason from home. That's the other instance when I think of a brother that needs some time off or needs a break or whatever you want to call it. And and I think that that's a, a valid question is that, to be a Freemason or to be a regular Mason, are you of the opinion that you have to attend Lodge regularly? And that, that could be once a month, once a year, once a whenever? No. And, and that's a, <laughs> well, and it, 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 I mean, I, the pause makes me think about it. And again, with the conditions that I explained earlier, like, okay, well, if you're not able to physically attend, if you're not able to be there, if you're separated by your work, business, you know, family, personal, whatever, 
But then if you make a decision that you don't want to come to lodge, now, this is an interesting one, and I think there's differences in the jurisdictions where I know in New York State, if you decide to demit from a lodge, you have a fixed amount of time before to find a new lodge and petition and and be balloted in before you get dropped from the rolls. And to me, I've always wondered, and it's unfortunate when I think of younger brothers, some who have never finished their third degree that are still hanging out there as an elo- uh, as a fellow craft or uh, an entered apprentice or those that have gone through the work of being a master mason and just decided I'm not going to come to lodge for five years. I always want I, I feel for them because of the work that they've invested or have begun to invest into the craft and they've never completed it. Michael, let me ask you a question that I'm sure you've heard before. What makes you a mason? Your obligation. And that is the short response. However, if you expand out what the implications of that statement means, is actually stating, what makes me a Mason is the obligation that I not only took upon myself, but I live and actively act out on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. Right. It is not me taking an obligation. It's me living the obligation. When an individual has three obligations that they've taken going through the Blue Lodge, we have, if we did our job, made a traveling man. You make a traveling man and expect that man to stick around. It doesn't make any sense, does it? If we did our job, that man is fully capable of going out and traveling Hmm. solo, totally on his own, masterfully producing the master's wages, no matter where, what foreign country he may travel to, he's producing master's wages. He's doing master's work. He's able to support himself masterfully and others and contribute masterfully to himself, his family, and society. He doesn't have to come to Lodge to do any of that. And if we did our job, we have literally sent people out into the world by installing a code that they will live. Now, if you want to stick around and obligate more people coming through so that they can do the very same thing, great. However, they did the job on me. I have gone out and traveled foreign countries. We're talking about master's wages, contributing and supporting masterfully. And yet I still come back to Lodge. Why do I do that? Well, I like playing music for the degrees. I love the joy that I see in the candidates' countenance when they hear music in between the words. I hear absolute enjoyment for coming screaming from the hearts of the brothers who have gone through these degrees before and put them on, and all of a sudden they have music accompanying it and it transforms their experience. I contribute to the next generation's enjoyment of ritual by what I contribute masterfully to these degrees, installations, and even, yes, even funerals. I have a gift. I give it to my brothers willingly and unselfishly. I want them very much to enjoy the ritual more than they could without music. And the same thing has to do with me being able to convey the light that I've gleaned in my travels. I've gone out. I've harvested a lot of light. And what I do is I come back into the, the womb of the lodge and share that light to nurture my brothers. And we have a hecatomb every single time I show up, then they allow me 
do some sharing of light because they are nurtured as a consequence of them allowing me to share what it is I bring back. And when a brother has light to share, I, I was up in a, a lodge a few weekends ago where brothers came up from another territory sharing more light, going through the, uh, the first degree catechism proficiencies along with the lecture. And I sat there in the audience just absolutely like a person I could not get enough. I loved every moment of it. It was for me a hecatomb. I was being nurtured physically, intellectually, spiritually, and uh, emotionally by what they shared. And this is what I go to lodge for. I want those experiences for myself and for my brothers. So, you know, the, the whole thing happening with the COVID where we were all isolated from each other. Well, I can tell you that my current lodge and uh, my adopted lodges all had Zoom meetings on a regular basis, sometimes once a week, sometimes every two weeks, but they were fully engaged in Freemasonry and Masonry in those conversations. We didn't talk about ritual. We didn't talk about our next lodge meetings because we were basically told no business but we had half an hour to hour um, conversations amongst brothers sharing what was going on between ourselves and our families and what we were doing at work. And they were absolutely unadulterated Freemasonic lodge meetings, but they weren't open. They were closed meetings. Were we practicing Freemasonry? You bet we were. Were we in a lodge? No, we were the lodge. We weren't in a lodge building, but we were at the lodge and we were acting out as as Masons do. I think there's a strong group within Masonry that insists that to be a member, you have to be an active member. You have to, and that means more than just being regular with your dues, but attending. And at some point, you know, getting involved with either the leadership of the lodge or some sort of other responsibility, let's say, that they could come from from being a member of that lodge. But I'm with you. I, I, I look at Freemasonry, and I had a discussion with another brother on this, and we were talking about our professional lives. And he said, well, how would you handle this if you were in a lodge meeting and you were the master of the lodge? And it, it, you, you do learn these other skills that you can apply in your own personal or professional life. And that's where I think there's this unique twist in Freemasonry is that most of us come in looking for answers to these large questions that we have. But then I look at, you know, brothers like you. And ironically, I have another close brother in New York whose name is also John, who is a deep thinker and, and, and had an esoteric and an open mind. And I've always wondered when you hear the term, I'm a self-practicing Mason, and you come across these men who are not Freemasons, but read and have an interest in what we're trying to learn at some point that has to be a bit a weird blend of excitement and then also maybe a little bit of a a refreshing feeling to know that we're not alone trying to to find these answers i'm going to rewind a little bit about the self-taught self-practicing if you are aware enough about the words that the meaning behind the words that are encoded within ritual if we take the words Hiram Abif, the term, Hiram literally means my brother's exalted or my brother's raised. Uh, Abif has been bastardized over the years. It literally is a spiritual teacher. And so 
if you hold a title called Hiram Abiff, it literally translates meaning-wise to, I am a raised brother, and I am my own spiritual teacher. If you understand the term and the implications of the term, no one can teach you but yourself. Others can give you clues as to what needs to be learned and what needs to be done, but it is up to you to roll up your sleeves and become somebody who is raised. In that raising, you become not only your own teacher, but teachers of others so that you can show them the path that needs to be followed and the self-disciplines that need to be internalized. If you take a look at three offspring, the male offspring, Jabel, Jubel, and Tubal, all of their names indicate that they are artisan instructors, meaning they were artificers. When you hear any one of those names put forth, it basically means that not only am I an artist, but I teach others how to do the art. You have several key terms being put forth within ritual that all point to the fact that you are to become masterful. You are to teach yourself. You are to be able to instruct others how to do the same, not to teach others, but to show them the path of what it takes to be a self-instructors, uh, a spiritual source, so to speak. Ironically, the very thing that you came across is what we're supposed to be doing anyway at multiple levels. So the self-practicing Freemason, yeah, I can relate to it. The self-practicing Mason, even more so. I feel really silly because I didn't think we would have enough content for this episode. I thought 30 seconds, yes, no answers. Okay, we're done. Open, close. Yeah, another hour. <laughs> Uh, well, that's going to do things for this episode of the Craftsman Online Podcast. He's our returning and champion again this week, Brother John Nagy. Thanks for coming back, Brother John. Thank you once again for having me, Brother Michael. It's an honor and a privilege, and I look forward to our next discourse uh, in about two weeks. You know, it's funny about that. We did not make a mention, and if there was any episode where the term Masonic Unicorn would be appropriate, it would be in this conversation. But if you are our dear listener at home and you're trying to figure out what have they always meant when they use this Masonic unicorns around the campfire, you're going to be in for a treat. Monday, June 6th, Brother John and I right here will have that conversation and your questions, hopefully, <laughs> will be answered. Until then, new episodes of our podcast are available for download every Monday morning. Until next time, let peace and harmony prevail. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.